2: Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, deflate gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles chargers.
3: Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven and joining me as
2: always are Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, dude? Uh, I'm doing good. Everybody uh, Everybody's, uh, you know, talking about that video of that kid talking to Cam Newton. I just got to say, <laughs> what a fucking brat.
3: as someone who works with middle schoolers, man, the first rule in arguing with middle school with middle schoolers is don't just don't even, (laughs) don't even try. Um, Tyler, how are you doing today, man?
1: Uh, Today I went for a jog. So according to dolphins, Twitter, that makes me better than Justin Herbert.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I feel so bad for Tua, man. Like I I loved him coming out of college and he's going to get traded to the Texans and his career is going to be over. So, yep. Uh, just,
1: What a shame
3: for him. Um, Anyway, obviously, that's all speculation. So we do have a fun show for you guys today. Um, First and foremost, we do have an interview, another prospect interview with Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Uh, We're going to get to that first. And then after that, we're going to do some fun experimenting with uh, the Chargers cap situation and potentially signing free agents, cutting decisions and things like that. Have some good discussions. I know we've kind of talked about a bunch of it, but. Um, you know, I'm going to share my screen of over the cap. And and so you guys can see, uh, really what kind of decision-making process, obviously we're not experts at this kind of thing, but, you know, having this kind of discussion will show kind of what the chargers and other teams will be, will be talking about, um, you know, in a few weeks as well. So let's get to this interview with, uh, Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Uh, and then we'll go from there. All right, guys, we are so happy to be joined now by Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Peyton, thanks for taking the time to join us today. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, you know, couldn't be happier to have someone on. You know, I think the Chargers do need a defensive end. And so we've been doing some cornerbacks and some running back interviews. Uh, So it's nice to get someone of a position of need for the Chargers. Um, Maybe let's start with this for people who are a little unfamiliar with your game. How would you describe your style as a pass rusher, as a defensive end, and maybe who would you compare yourself in, like, uh, in terms of players in the NFL?
4: Oh uh, yeah, uh, violent. Um, if you haven't seen my seen me uh, play, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a violent player. Uh, you know, I compare myself to uh, bigger defensive ends in the league. Uh, Cam Jordan for sure. Uh, the way he plays, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's pretty versatile on the edge, and then you know, he can bounce down in the inside and rush on a guard. So. I'd say Camp Jordan would be a pretty good comparison to the way I play.
3: I love that comparison, man, you know, because like if you turn on even just the first game against BYU that you had, you know, you're rushing against the guards, you're rushing with your hand in the dirt, you're rushing out wide as a Y9, you know, in a two-point stance. Right. Where does that versatility come from for you? Or is that something that you've kind of had to work on throughout your process uh, in college? Yeah,
4: my first two years in college, you know, I was played 4 on, and, you know, we just hold, hold B-gap. You know and then we get to rush outside so it's not going to get a lot of production uh doing that too much yeah uh, but i mean just developing just continuing to get comfortable on the outside on the edge and then just just playing around with it you know this this past year was the first year i had some consistency in the off season even though we had COVID and everything but i mean it's more than i usually have had uh because i did have an injury software so sophomore to junior year didn't really have much um, off season, so uh, this past year I had the off season where you know I could I could figure out what I need to do and just just mess around with it,
3: just mess around with it. I like that. Do you do you feel like you have a go to pass rush move or one that you feel like works better than
4: other ones? Yeah, I mean, when in doubt, uh, just be violent. So, uh, I, I like I long that. arm, the long arm, my arm's pretty long, keep them off my body, uh, speed to power, uh, then just go one arm and you get the hump off that, you got, you got a lot of stuff off of one arm, so uh long arms. So I'd say that's my, my go-to right there. Love that,
3: man. Love that. I, I, one of the things that I think is a little underappreciated about you in in terms of like what draft analysts are talking about is that your motor is just always running, man. You know, I watched the BYU game several times. I watched your game against um, Tulsa, I think, you know, and you're chasing down guys 10, 15 yards down the field. Um, Are you a fast guy or is that just an effort thing? Because I know there's a difference between being like fast, fast and being like fast on a football field.
4: Right. No, I think I'm both. Uh, I I mean, I play fast. I play hard. And I mean, I just I just like playing, competing. So I'm always going to play hard whenever I'm on the field. So that's just that's just how it comes out on the field. I love that, man. I love that. So let's talk about your senior role experience, because
3: um, I think that experience was, you know, it's so valuable this year. I mean, it's always valuable, but this year, especially you know, because of COVID and because of, you know, there's there's going to be a combine, but not really. So what was the senior role experience like for you?
4: Uh, you know, it was, it was a long days, uh, you know, early mornings, uh, but I mean, it was good, it was a good experience. It, it was nice. Uh, you know, you got to talk to, talk to guys that play the same position as you or play across the line and just get to know everybody. So it was cool, you know, I guess networking or whatever, but just talk, talking game. And, you know, a lot of people are saying the same things in different ways and just, you know, just just sharing, sharing game and, and everything, uh, got to talk to just about every, I think all but one and then I had a Zoom with them. I talked to all the teams, though. All, everybody was there, but yeah, that that ex, that experience is invaluable this year, especially since there's no combine, like you said, it's just the medical. So, uh, just going, you know, going in there and just learning from the coaches uh, and just taking it all in. Uh, I think it was really valuable.
3: Was there a certain pass rusher or you know, just player in general that you were excited to get down to and kind of chat it up with?
4: Oh, so that last part skipped out. You said and, and just chat up. Did You say chat with. Sorry, sorry if we cut up. Um, was there a
3: person like you know one of your peers, another pass rusher, an offensive tackle that you were excited to go against in practices and the games? Um, maybe was maybe someone that you were just like really excited to go up against or chat up with.
4: Oh yeah, uh, car, uh Boogie Boogie Basham, uh, of okay. course. Yeah, it was cool. Cool to ch- uh, cutting, uh, cutting up with him. Just chop chopping it up with him. But yeah, I mean. Uh there's a lot of guys, like I said, that, you know, you get to go against, get to see in real life, in person, because, you know, there was only so many games this year. And I only played really in like three and a half. So, uh, I mean, it was cool just talking to everybody. But, yeah, uh, I, I definitely said it was cool, cool chopping up a boogie. And, uh, you know, Pat Jones, I work out with him. So, I mean, we're always cu- cutting up and talking. So just like I said, just talking, talking game with everybody was cool.
3: That's funny that you mentioned Boogie Basham, because I feel like you guys are, are very similar in terms of your skill sets, the way you play. You know, you mentioned violence. Uh, you know, that's what I see in Boogie Basham as well. Yeah, he's a great player. He's a really good player. That's exciting, man. Um, a couple well, not a couple of years ago, last summer, uh, Justin Herbert talked about, you know, at the Combine, there were some teams that would ask him some weird questions. You know, someone asked him, you know, there were four or five coaches in the room and he's like, which one of us would you punch in the face if you had to choose? Um
4: <laughs> did you get any weird questions like that this week during the interview or that week during the interviews? Uh I got a few. Um I got somebody somebody was talking about uh I follow a lot of Instagram models. Uh, <laughs> like I was like, all right, like what does that even mean? Like I like, I appreciate like good looking people. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh I got that one. Um I got like what's the first thing I do in the morning? Uh, there's a there's a, there's some weird stuff in there, but uh yeah, I think the super mo- the model one was was the most outlandish, probably. That's hilarious. Man. Nah, I mean I, you get some weird <laughs> ones though. Uh there's there's some there's some wild ones out there. Yeah, uh Justin was telling
3: that story on the Pat McAfee show last year after he got drafted, and it and you know, of course everybody was eating out that was hilarious. Um, but <laughs> social hilarious. media habits, man, I think that's that's a new one. I haven't heard of that one before. Yep. That's what that's, I got. that's funny man um so in terms of maybe a team that stood out to you or do you feel like you would fit better in a certain scheme I guess is is what you know I've kind of been asking these prospects you think that you know like the Chargers are playing a 3-4 scheme like could you play outside linebacker or would you have a preference of playing 4-3 defensive end
4: I mean I'm comfortable with either uh I I played I played a 3-4 DN I played a 4-3 DN um I played inside so I think I'm athletic enough and quick enough to play outside backer and you know I'm long enough to put on weight and you know just stay or stay at 270 and play on the edge so I mean I'm comfortable either way I think I think I that's what's so good about me is that I can fit just about any scheme so uh I mean I just just gotta learn it I think I could be successful in wherever I've placed that's awesome, man. I, I think that is is
3: really true for you. Um, you know, there's just, I think, 70 days until the draft. So what are some things that you're trying to work on uh, until that day comes that, you know, you could potentially hear your name called?
4: I just keep working on the stuff that I've been working on uh, from, you know, junior year to senior year. Just keep working on flexibility, keep working on, you know, knowledge, learning the game, learning about the game, and just keep developing moves. Uh, I think that's all you can really do. Uh, just keep, you know, keep training. Yeah, all about
3: putting in that work, right? And working on those things, you know. Uh, Peyton, thanks so much for your time, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to forget the Instagram model thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's,
4: that's wild. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, man, of course. Uh, keep training, man. And hopefully you stay safe with all the, the crazy storms. Although I heard it's kind of passing down. So yeah. um, stay safe, man, and stay healthy.
4: Yes, sir. Appreciate it.
3: All right, so Tyler, you had uh, the chance to watch some of Peyton Turner's film this weekend. Uh, and so what, would you, what were your thoughts on Peyton Turner? And um, you know, what were kind of your reactions to watching his, his film on, on tape this weekend?
1: You kind of gave me a bit of a preview when I think I said I loved Patrick Jones' effort. Mm-hmm. And then you said, okay, well, you're really going to like Peyton Turner. And from the moment you turn on the film, I was only able to watch his game versus BYU, which TDN and PFF has as his worst game. If that's his worst game, then we're in for a treat because he was flying everywhere. Um, probably the most high not high character, high motor, high effort guy that I've watched in the draft so far. It tells me a lot when if the play, if the running back, if you're on the, you know, the left side and the running back goes the other way and he's 40 yards downfield, if you're a six, whatever he is, 200 something pound lineman, defensive lineman running down the field, 40 yards just to catch that guy. That tells me so much about you. And one of the things that I think makes some of the best guys on the chargers so successful, particularly on the defensive side of the ball is that effort, that hustle, that motor, you know, Kenneth Murray, I, I love how much he hustles every single play. And the fact that he's able to play, you know, the most snaps of anybody on defense and still show that is incredible. And that's why he's going to be so Absolutely. successful in the NFL. Joey Bosa, inc- I mean, no one has a higher motor than Joey Bosa. Every single play, the guy who's going to be your, your closer, your sealer at the end of games. You know, that's one of the few things that I liked about him coming out of college, high motor guy. It showed in the preseason. Um, so Peyton Turner, just based on what I've saw seen and watched so far, high motor, um, a little tall. I started to watch some of the senior bowl reps. Sometimes he's just a little bit too high. Doesn't have that bend to get around on the outside. Sometimes I think that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him, but if you were able to work on that or whatever it takes, um, he could be pretty good. So him in like the second round, um, Definitely in the third round um, would be pretty good haul.
2: I would agree with that, too.
1: So I was was going to say, you
2: know, he's he's a two star recruit that had to kind of grind to where he is. um, And that's kind of what's impressive about him. And that's what shows up on tape. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I talked with him about, you know, his experience at Houston. And when
3: he was this year, they they did run a a more traditional defense. But in in previous years, they ran that three, three, five bull crap that is <laughs> so you know all over the place in college football now and so when you run that kind of defense as a defensive end you you get like no sacks because you're double teamed on every single play like it's just you know the whole point is dropping aim and coverage every single time and so I think that's kind of you know the mode where that motor comes from because he yeah. knew like okay like I'm not going to get sacks like I have mm-hmm. to be able to go and chase down runners in order to make plays and really impact the game and get my name out there. So, right. um, you know, he talked about his injury history too. Um, yeah. and so he was really candid about everything. And I, <laughs> the question about the Instagram models, man, that, well, that was hilarious. I, I could not believe somebody asked him that. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a fun player. And I think he's someone that you take, you know, in the late second, early third, and, and, you know, you're at least going to get a high level worker, and somebody that is going to outproduce, you know, his draft selection just because he's going to work so hard. So um, there's definitely a lot of physical upside there. His arms are so long, and he talked about that too. Is that his favorite thing to do is just, you know, one long arm somebody and then be able to react off of that. So great length, great size, great effort, and I think he's going to be a, a, a very solid starter in the NFL.
1: I completely agree, and the things that. I think the stats are there very short amount of games, obviously, because they played about four games this, this year. Yeah. Um. But the things that don't show up on the stats where he just blows up a tackle, and, you know, the play goes the other way, but if the play went his way, he would have blown that up and got a tackle for loss. So, and everything that he puts into the, if you watch the tape, I think you'll like him even more than the stats. So if you guys give him a chance, um, I think you're really going to like him.
5: For sure. Yeah.
3: I would agree with that. Um, So we're, let's, let's talk about this free agent. Uh, So I'm going to share my screen right now to over the cap. Um, You know, obviously with over the cap and spot track, you know, you'll, you'll have a little bit of differences, differences, differences. (laughs) Uh, Goodness sake. Um, So right now the, you know, the main difference between the two is that over the cap has the chargers with $23 million in cap space. Spot track has it closer to 30. Um, You know, Alex pointed this out. um, Over the Cap has five players on the roster that Spot Track does not, right? Is that right, Alex?
2: Yeah, I think uh, spot track is sorry, uh, forty five and uh, over the cap is forty eight. So that might be the difference of like a couple of the um, like minimum guys who are making like between six hundred sixty and one million. Uh, or you know, it could also just be the difference of a couple um, a couple million when we're talking about some of the bigger contracts. Because I think they had uh, one of them had Trey Turner at eleven, and one of them had Trey Turner at eleven point five. So it could be really like small stuff like that too. I think.
3: Yeah, so we'll we'll have a conversation about all these guys. We're going to talk about potential cuts first. Uh, just keep in mind that you know most people are projecting the Chargers to have around thirty million. So um, just a little difference there. And you know, it, each each website offers you different things, right? You know, Spotrac offers you an insight into the potential market value of certain free agents. Uh, not everyone. I wish they would do everyone, but um, so we're going to talk about some of those. So let's start with potential cuts. Um, obviously the Chargers do not have to cut anyone. I think they're probably going to just because, you know, they're going to want to be able to be aggressive in certain areas of free agency. Um, so let's start with the obvious one in Trey Turner, right? And so I think all three of us are in favor of cutting Trey Turner. Uh, yes. I don't want to put words in your guys' mouth, but, uh, are we cutting Trey Turner first? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's the easy one. You know, we talked about him earlier and I don't really feel like beating a dead horse. It just, it makes too much sense to cut him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see right away, it goes from 23 to $35 million in cap space. And that's just one cut. Uh, and, you know, the Chargers could take that same money and give it to Hunter Henry. And then there's your extension. So mm-hmm. um, let's talk about Casey Hayward. Uh, Alex, you kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. What are your pros and cons of cutting Casey Hayward?
2: Um, I think if you want to start with the cons, the cons is, you know, he has a lot of uh, familiarity with this Chargers team. He's been kind of a vocal leader for a while uh, on that defense, you know, over five or six years now. Uh, But I I do think the cons of it are, you know, he is coming off of a season where he had a lot of injuries. He is 32 years old and, you know, he's he's not going to be able to keep up with guys that have a lot of speed or physicality on the outside. I mean, that's what we saw last year. Um, for me, I would vote cut just because, you know, with the Staley system, I think you kind of need to start fresh when it's, when we're talking about a guy like Hayward, um, you already have two 32 year old quarters. And, you know, when we talk about Chris Harris, that's a guy who can at least put, uh, go on the inside and play slot versus, you know, Casey Hayward hasn't played slot in six years. Um, so that's, you know, an important thing there, but, um, I think it's not a, a great you know situation. I definitely am not enthusiastic about cutting Casey Hayward in the same way that I might be about Trey Turner, just because Casey's been here longer and he's been a leader. But uh, I just, to me, I don't think you can go into next year with him as your CB one, uh, playing kind of a staley type three four. It may be different if Anthony Lynn was still here, um, and they were still running Gus Bradley kind of stuff. But I, I just think the new scheme. Uh, his age and injuries uh, all create some uh, complications.
1: Yeah, Staley coming in certainly throws a monkey wrench in him sticking around. I think, if like you said, if Lynn were back, Hayward probably sticks around, and you know he kind of he does deserve to stick around in a way because of all the previous production and how good he was before. But with Staley coming in, I just think they want someone different, someone more athletic, and I don't think that's Hayward. It's never been Hayward. Um, also, I think you can get enough figured out in the slot even if harris isn't quite working out in the slot you could move him outside i guess um but you could in the slot you don't have to, well they're not cutting harris anyway but since they aren't they have harris they could work utterly in the slot i do think there's a safety they could bring in that played 230 slot corner reps last season Um so i think that can kind of get figured out so i don't think if davis comes back at least Yeah, I got to cut Hayward. It's it sucks, and I'm sure he'll go somewhere and have a a pretty decent season, uh, but it's just not with this team right now.
3: Yeah, you know, I think if the Chargers do cut him, I think him signing in Las Vegas is a no brainer. Like you can sign that Mm -hmm. right now. So it just kind of sucks to see him go. You know, one of my favorite players in Chargers history, and it's just yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's a business, and and, you know, you look at this cap number right here, eleven point seven five. And the dead cap is only two million. So we're gonna just for this exercise, you know, we're not saying that the Chargers are going to do this, it's just a possibility. So we'll cut Casey Hayward and then 35 becomes 45. And that's a huge chunk of change. And that's just making two cuts. Like, so we'll get into the next one. Michael Peterson brought this up, and that's Linval Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a good season last year, he was definitely better than what they had previously experienced with Brandon Meebang. Uh, I know that the sack numbers were not there, but, you know, he was the third lead. He was third on the chargers in pressures. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, a defensive tackle that's Mm -hmm. above 30. And that's just kind of not something that you're, that you usually see. Um, I think that next year, you know, he could have another good season. He could have a bounce back season in terms of sacks, uh, continue to put up those kind of pressures. You know, he also could, be someone that is a prime candidate of injuries, right? Because he's, he is an older player and, you know, playing the nose tackle instead of defensive tackle. It's a little different in terms of, you know, production. So I think Linval Joseph, he could have a good season. He could have a bad season. He could have a season where he's injured a lot. Um, The cap number for Linval Joseph is 11.9. And, you know, the dead cap is only $4 million. So what do you guys make? Uh, about cutting Linwan Joseph. Tyler, we'll start with you on this one.
1: You have to extend him. And that's a lot of money to free up if you do cut him, but you got nobody else on the roster who's going to do his role. And there's yeah. not, you're not taking a guy like him until, you know, maybe like Shelvin in the third round. And do you want us? you know, you, you might be getting a rookie edge and a rookie outside linebacker. You could get, you know, a rookie nose tackle in there too. I just don't know if it's going to be expensive, um, but you, you have to extend him. I don't think you can cut him. Um, but I think you definitely have to extend him and try to lower that. Just give them that extra year, lower it this year and figure it out at the end, you know, draft someone like a Sheldon and, and figure it out in 2022. But this year you just got to keep them. If, if I had to pick between keeping Hayward and Joseph based on their contracts, I would probably just keep Joseph because there's, I don't think there's a good way you can replace him right now.
2: Yeah. I think Joseph is the tougher one to replace just because it's not a great free agent DT class nor, you know, it's a decent draft class, but I don't know if the chargers are going to leap into the second or third round and go defensive tackle. They may wait on that. Um, and you know, (laughs) Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones are not prepared to (laughs) take over for Linwall Joseph, Mm -hmm. even if you combine the two of them. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, you know, I, I get that the cap number is big, uh, but unlike with Casey Hayward, I just think Linwell Joseph was was still really good last year. Um, yeah. He has enough production to warrant coming back on this team. And as like Tyler said, you can extend him for a year uh, and then figure it out in terms of the, the cap hit. Uh, I just think he's too valuable to cut unless you really have like a great backup right. option. And like, you know, you go down the list of the free agent class and the biggest one is like, and Dama Kung Su, who's 34 years old, right? Or, or somebody like that. Um, you know, they're, they're interesting depth guys, but in terms of starters, I really just don't think you're going to do much better than Joseph. And frankly, like, the scheme doesn't change that much for him, like when we're talking about comparing him or his role with Hayward's, right? Yeah, uh, He's going to be doing the same stuff he's always been doing, uh, yeah. potentially with, with more help uh, with defensive line around him. Uh, I I just think um, they have to keep them and they do not have a viable replacement uh, at this time. So, you know, extend it, uh, you know, you can there are ways you could restructure it and lower that cap hit. But I think at the end of the day, you got to keep them. Yeah, I
3: I agree. And I think we're all on the same page. So I think uh, over the cap here can let me work an extension in Uh, go up
1: or usually there's a little side thing that comes up.
2: You hit s- submit. There we go. Okay. There you
3: go. So uh, we'll okay. add one year, right? hmm So I've looked at this before, and I have no idea how to do the math on this one. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to get the cap number for down for next year um, or down for this year.
2: What if we make it like 4.5 million? For this year? I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but
3: (laughs) that works. We'll make it six million for this year and eleven million for next year. Yeah. Extend. All right. Oh. (laughs) Player must be a paid veteran minimum base salary each. Okay.
2: Okay, so then I think you would you could change the roster bonus then? I don't know. (laughs) Well, it only
3: it's only me it's only taking me up to seven point zero seven five, which I don't know. Okay. So that freed up $4 million in cap space yeah. by doing a one-year extension for Limbaugh Joseph, which I think is Right, mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, It's just uh, small things like that add up over time. So, you know, if you save $4 million here, save $4 million there, it ends up being a significant amount. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I Like
3: I, I've said a bunch of times, I think Mike Williams is going to play on his fifth-year option, and then they'll figure it out later. Um, but I just want to see what happens when we do work an extension in for Mike Williams. So what do you guys think of a fair value for Mike Williams is? I, I know like Corey Davis's projected market value is like four for thirty-eight million dollars, I believe.
2: What do you guys think? I about think Mike you Williams? could do three for thirty three. Okay. I think that's the fairest value you're going to get, you know. And I know that's going to be like, yeah, you're paying him ten million a year. Um, I, you know, I think he's going to end up playing under that franchise tag, like we said. Um, But to me, like three years thirty or three years thirty three is probably what you're offering him. It's just a matter at that point of, you know, does he want to bet on himself for this year, or does he want that long term security? I'm personally just letting
1: him play this year out and pretending like it's a franchise tag, an expensive franchise tag, yeah. and then just let him see what happens later.
3: Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I just want to see, like, visualize how this would work. So, you know, taking out the option, essentially, and then extending him uh, would free up $4 million at that same kind of price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, so something to consider, and I'm sure the Chargers will consider that as well. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in terms of potentially cutting? Cause we already talked about Chris Harris and, and how Chris Harris is not going to be cut. Um, anyone else that you want to mention here?
2: Yeah, there's not really many other guys. Uh, I guess Chris Harris was the one we were kind of debating for a while, but Chris Harris, you know, they got Ronaldo Hill um, and have made it a very Chris Harris friendly system. They've talked a lot uh, about how much they kind of will like Chris Harris going into next year. Uh, I don't think that's happening. And then, the one people might point to is Brian Balaga, but as you can see in that uh 14 million in dead cap value, it's uh yeah. not great. No, not at all. <laughs> that would be that would be a tough one. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be right back. One
1: yeah, so I wouldn't this is this is pretty much it for me, unless you want to nickel and dime your way through the rest of it and get it to, you know, fifty million in cap because we're at like 49.7 and that's kind of irritating. 49.876. <laughs> I guess you could cut somebody. Is it's not anybody? a round number for sure. Yeah, that's really irritating. Um, but, we, you know, much. like I said
3: earlier, you know, this um, over the cap does have, you know, the $7 million less. So this would be like 56, whatever. Yeah. So no, that's, that's that's a great chunk of change, man. You know, freeing up $56 million by just cutting Casey Hayward, Trey Turner, mm-hmm. and working in that extension for Linvald Joseph, I think you know, that's a no brainer and $56 million in cash space. You know, that gets you a lot. I could see you in the conversation for a lot of good free agents. Um, So next, I think the first order of business after this, and it's something that the chargers could do as soon as uh, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, as soon as tomorrow for you guys, the chargers could come to an agreement or not really come to an agreement. They could slap the franchise tag on Hunter Henry. I think he's the only candidate that that would make sense for. Um, and so i want to do that just to see what it looks like so we'll franchise tag hunter henry and that would takes it from sorry what was it out before 49.8 like yeah 49.8 You franchise tag hunter henry and it takes it to 39.7 and the franchise tag number is that right the 10.16 no that what it it, is this year
2: it, no it was 10.6 this year so it was about 500k um higher than that But um, yeah, no, so the thing with Hunter Henry is just like you have to, it's probably going to go up a little bit. They haven't decided all the franchise tag values. So I would guess that in reality, Hunter Henry's cap, if it's a franchise tag, is probably going to be closer to around 11 or 12, Um, because it's going to go up a little bit just based on uh, salaries going up, right? So I I think that it's, last year was 10.6. I'm going to guess it's going to be closer to 11.
3: Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty like, it has to go up for doing it a second time in a row. Like it doesn't, wouldn't get lower. So that, that one doesn't make sense to me. Okay. So let's, let's talk about Hunter Henry. Alex did a great video on our YouTube channel about the chargers options with Hunter Henry. Um, So Tyler, I'll ask you this first. What do you think happens with Hunter Henry? What do you think should happen with Hunter Henry?
1: Uh, Will happen, extend him, should happen, extend him. I think it's a no brainer. I think it helps the line. I think it helps obviously the tight end group. It helps Justin Herbert. The rest of the offense, I don't think this is. there's any reason to not do it other than injuries, but he played a full, healthy year, technically. So I'm cool with it. Extend him.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you should extend Hunter Henry. Um, It's also just less risky than doing the franchise tag because if you do the franchise tag again, you have no control uh, over Hunter Henry the next year if you can't reach a deal by that July deadline.
5: Yeah. So
2: I think it's just smarter to get it done now uh and you know figure figure out the rest later um i know people will be like you know hunter henry hasn't exploded onto the scene right there there's no pro bowl appearance or there's you know not a a a beastly season from him but i I do think we were asking him to do two things uh you know as i said um kind of a bunch of times but we were asking him to stay healthy and we were asking him to block better and he did both of those things in 2020 even though it wasn't Uh, amazing numbers Uh, and his numbers would have been better if he didn't miss two games because of COVID, unfortunately. So, um, you know, he would have broken all of his personal records, uh, I believe in terms of yards at least. So um, I would extend Hunter Henry. Uh, Like I said in the video, I think if Hunter Henry wants to move on, then uh, someone like Zach Ertz makes a lot of sense. But for, for the time being, I just think it's very chargers to take care of your own guys uh, and, and keep developing them you know, Hunter Henry is also four years younger than Zach Ertz. Uh, So I I would just, you know, sign him to that four year uh, extension.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. And we've talked about like the chargers don't really have a good option. Like I know the Zach Ertz thing has come out since we previously talked about this. uh, And that is easily the best option, you know, the best alternative, in my opinion. But, you know, say Zach Ertz, you know, say like the Seahawks trade for Zach Ertz, then the Chargers are stuck. They don't have any other quality options, right? Like maybe a Cameron Break gets cut, but is that even really much better? Like, you know, they don't really have a choice here. Um, maybe because of the cap going down and maybe because of, you know, his familiarity with the team. Maybe they could get a a little bit of a cheaper deal out of Hunter Henry, but I agree. I just don't think that they have a choice.
1: I've seen a couple of people talk about Donald Parham and while I do think he's a good second option for them, yeah. it's just not super realistic to rely on him. I watched a couple of games of his and he did improve as a blocker. I think, and I think that's, that's good moving forward. You don't have to sign green again. Um, if you sign Parham, but you know, ask, asking him to run routes and be like Hunter Henry, it's just not, not realistic right now. There were some moments on tape where he had a little bit of a twitch, but otherwise he's just kind of just like a, a lumber, this on a drag or kind of go this way and turn around. He's just not, a great receiving option Yep. Yeah, more of like a gadget, you know, twenty twenty five catches kind of guy.
2: Oh, hello, the <laughs> nineteen million, <laughs> nineteen million cap. Whoops. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair if we're doing this contract to say, you know, yeah, I mean, ten to twelve million a year. Um, that's kind of where Hunter Henry ends up falling, I think. Um, so I, I think that's a decent, you know, and. The, the thing about the contract structure is it's going to be a little bit different, right? You know, there's yeah. a lot of GMs that can front load the contract. There's a lot of GMs that, you know, if they're working on this Hunter Henry extension, uh, maybe give him a lot more money and signing bonus up front, uh, in terms of the guarantees. Right. So uh, I think that's the important thing. It's not just going to be like, Oh, he's getting this value this year, this value this year. Right. Uh, but that's how we use it in uh in over the cap and spot tracks. So,
3: yeah. And, you know, over the cap, it's pretty straightforward, right? You know, it increases slightly every single year. Uh, and this would equal, you know, the kind of contract that I think makes a lot of sense for him. So we'll extend Hunter Henry. Uh, they're now back to similar um, with the franchise tag, 39.8. Well, actually this would be uh, 45 because the differences in cap numbers. Um, okay. Let's talk about Michael Davis next. I think he would be the next up on the list. And, and that is, you know, his evaluation, I think it's not on spot track. It's a little tougher for, um, you know, for us to kind of figure it out. The draft network predicts that he's only worth $5 million, which I think is a no brainer. Like if that's the case, then, yeah. you know, he's not going anywhere. But, you know, Daniel Popper did suggest, you know, a three year $27 million contract for uh, Michael Davis. And I think that would make some sense. Um, nine million, nine million per year would be a little rich for my liking. Um, what do you guys think about Michael Davis?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be five million. I think it's going to be closer, definitely to seven or eight. Um, just because I think teams really value speed on the outside. I think teams value, especially a guy who's young uh, and and get after it right on the outside. Uh, there's not a lot of those guys around in the league, uh, at that age that are readily available uh, for someone to go get. So I think that's why Michael Davis would cost somewhere between, uh, 7 million and 9 billion, kind of like Popper said. Uh, but I still think even if that's the price, uh, you go for it. it, you know, especially because in this simulation, we, you know, we cut Casey Hayward, you know you need a quarterback. <laughs> you yeah. know you don't have any more quarterbacks uh, other than you know, if you want to start Devon Campbell at outside corner <laughs> So um I think you know, Michael Davis becomes a must resign. I think he's a must re sign if you're keeping Hayward anyway. Uh, but since we freed up that money from Hayward, now we kind of have the money to just pay off the Michael Davis deal
1: and that works for me. Davis played better than Hayward last year overall. I think he improved so much, you know, I think possibly at the most improved player on the team last season. And corners, elite corners, not that Davis is an elite corner, but elite corners are really expensive. Davis has continued to improve. If he takes another step next season, then the contract is totally worth it. Three years for yeah. you know 27000000 seven million. million, you'll, you'll take that. You got another two years of potentially elite corner play. I'll take it.
3: Yeah, and I, I think there will be some kind of projecting, right? Because the, he has continued to progress. And he's got all the physical traits that the Chargers are looking for in either scheme, right? Like you, he's yep. somebody that the Chargers would be extending regardless of Anthony Lynn being the coach or Brandon Staley being the coach because he he fits any scheme really. And, you know, that that is the one thing that, you know, I know everybody, I don't want to talk bad or good about Gus Bradley because he's not on the Chargers anymore. But, you know, they let him play more man-to-man coverage last year. And I think Michael Davis was able to thrive because of it. And, you know, we've talked about this. He was on Stephon Diggs most of that game and he did a fantastic job. And he's one of the only players in the league that can keep up uh, and do a good job against Tyreek Hill, too. So um, I, I just think his value, it, he's a must resign. And you can't let a cornerback who's finally coming into his own leave and go elsewhere. It just It's not the Tom Telesco way. It's not the Chargers way. And it's just in general not a smart way to build a, an NFL football team. Like you got to keep your own guys that are taking those steps and you got to keep them around and, and keep developing them. So we'll do what? Like three for 24.
2: Yeah. That sounds good to me.
3: I think that's a good balance between what uh, popper was suggesting and what um, the other people are suggesting. So we'll just do an even we'll do seven for the first year. And then we'll work up just make it nice and easy.
2: This is, Obviously. Really, this is gonna be really entertaining for, for people listening on podcasts. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Watching hearing Stephen click clacking on the computer. Sorry guys. All right, Alex gotta <laughs> tell a here. Tall joke then. <laughs> uh, I don't have any.
3: <laughs> okay, so that takes it from um oh gosh, math is hard. Um forty-five million dollars in cap space to thirty-eight. Is that right? Yeah, about. 38,
4: 39 for sure.
3: Something like that. Okay. So those are the first two ones. I think we're all on the same page that Melvin Ingram uh, can go bye bye and <laughs> <laughs> um, not be. Any... I don't know why that was so funny. I don't know why I said that, but uh, yeah, Melvin Ingram is not being resigned. Are we all in agreement there? Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think Melvin Ingram should be resigned. I I don't think it's like a hundred percent he won't be resigned. I think there may be a type of deal where they get him for like a one year type extension uh, and an approve it deal, maybe to re reenter uh, next free agency with a better season and a better uh, uh, just, you know, I mean, he had zero sacks this year. <laughs> right? yeah. Like That's, that's kind of what we're talking about. And why we are not talking about resigning him? Cause you know, going into this year, I think we said it last episode, it was re- like a real competition. Like who's going to get resigned, Melvin Ingram or Hunter Henry. Right. If you're, if we want to dole out that money and, Um, Melvin Ingram just had a bad year and it was unfortunate for him because of the injuries, but I I don't think you could afford to sign him to like a three-year extension or something like that. I think the most possible thing, if they wanted to re-sign him was like a one-year prove it deal that sets him up for free agency next year, maybe. So he could kind of bounce back, but that's about it.
1: Yeah. I think the one-year deal is certainly possible. I do think, you know, there are some pieces to say that, you know, he could stick around a, being cheaper, B, the Chargers just might need to hang on to him for another year because they have to go offensive line, corner, receiver, whatever. Um, and then also Giff Smith did stick around. And so there's some familiarity there. He might go to bat for him, but otherwise I, I do think he's gone.
3: Yeah. You know, it, it's a very similar conversation to Trey Turner, right? Like it's most likely that he, that Melvin Ingram is not as bad as he was this year. Like there's <laughs> there's no scenario where he goes out next year and again gets zero sacks. In my opinion, like the the odds are just not in favor of that happening. Mm -hmm. And so could he bounce back? Could he be, you know, a five, six, seven sack guy next year, you know, and, and be around the same kind of tackles for loss efforts. Sure. I'm just not paying him the kind of money that it requires. Like that's, that's just the real, that's just the reality of the situation. So You know, we could mess around with some of the other guys here. You know, Mike Pouncey still is on here, even though he retired. Um, Denzel Perryman, Tyron Taylor, those are kind of the next ones. But let's talk about some free agents here. So I think the biggest name that has been mentioned among Chargers Nation and, and, you know, the Bolt family and all that is Joe Thune. And (laughs) I think Joe Thune is a fantastic player, but this is kind of why I wanted to show this because Joe Thune's contract, his market value, is five years and $70 million, according to track, And it's the same thing for Brandon Scherf. So, you know, we're looking at the Chargers cap space right now. They have uh, 32, 93, 143, 189, 230 over the next five years. Adding just Joe Thune to those numbers, it's going to be massive, massive value for what the Chargers are looking at. And so his yearly average would be $14 million per year.
2: Sorry again for the audio listening to me. <laughs> <type away laughs> Clacking Click away
3: on my computer.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think Joe Thune is definitely like the biggest possible offensive line investment. Um, I guess maybe unless Trent Williams was, was really available. Um, but I think the Niners are going to re-sign him pretty quick. Uh, Thune is the biggest possible addition and, you know, I, I know people will be skeptical about big offensive line additions, Grant, given what happened last year with Trey Turner and Brian Malaga. Um, but I think the difference with Thune and those signings from last year is just Thune's younger uh, and, you know, he has less mileage on him, played fantastic last year. Uh, I just think he's such an upgrade over what the Chargers have now uh, in Feeney and, you know, Lamp uh, that it, it's, for me, Even though it's a lot of money, I would honestly vote yay on this one.
1: I'm going to vote no because of that contract and because I do believe you can play money ball a little bit and sign some other guys to make up the combination that works if they were only one or two holes away from a good offensive line, perhaps. But the fact that they probably need four plus two backups means I'm going to go a couple of different areas.
2: Steven's the (laughs) tiebreaker.
1: Yeah. Steven already tweeted this, so I know what
3: he's thinking. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to vote no on this one too, just uh, because, you know, like, like Tyler said, right. If Dan Feeney had taken like that step of development that we all were hoping for and that we all thought was happening. And after the first three or four games, then I would be in favor of this, but you know, they like cutting Trey Turner means you have to upgrade both guard spots. In my opinion, And, you know, sure, you could draft one, but teams don't want to pigeonhole themselves into having to draft need in the second and third rounds. They want to be able to take the best players available. And so, you know, signing a Joe Thune makes a lot of sense. He's a great player and he is absolutely fills a position of need. I just think he's he's too expensive, man. When you could take this $14 million and sign two starting level guards instead of one. I think makes a lot of sense, but I'm going to extend him and then I'll undo it just to uh, see the numbers. So that goes from 32 to 18, and obviously, you know, the next few years, it's just a huge, huge contract. And you know, guards are becoming more valuable, and and especially you know with the way that they're playing. But 14 million dollars for a guard is—it's just so much money for for one position that's not you know a tackle, a quarterback, a receiver, a corner, an edge
2: rusher. So The money just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I I think that's totally fair. I mean, I would go for it because it's not my money that I'm spending.
5: Um, (laughs) But but the
2: Chargers might be a little more conservative, like you said, and say, hey, you know, let's try to get two linemen uh, for the price of one really expensive one. So I think that's totally fair.
1: And I don't know if we'll ever get to this guy, but the guy I was I was considering. Well, there's a couple of guys, and I'm sure we'll get to a certain Packer, but. I was thinking Feliciana, yeah. who played three different positions for the Bills yeah. last season. I think that just helps you when you are trying to draft. It's kind of the reason I thought they would keep Dan Feeney, and they still might, is because you could put him at guard or center. Feliciana, you could put him at left guard, center, or right guard. And so, you know, whatever happens in the draft, you can just kick him the other way. And I don't think the money is all that different. It's not like a guard versus a tackle or left tackle, where you're paying someone, a you know, a big difference. Or ahead of time, you need to know if they're a left tackle or a guard for him. Just plug him along the interior. Um, And he's uh, not bad. It's not great. But again, it's it's money ball. Only had 23 pressures last year. And we'll take that. Like a marginal improvement over what they're used to is a big improvement for this team.
3: Yeah. And, you know, that versatility for me, like that's something that I've thought a lot about for this team is just being able to get five talented players and be able to figure out the positions later. And, you know, in this kind of instance, you know, we can talk about Corey Lindsley and John Feliciano being the two targets here. And I think, you know, if you get the two of them for a combined $15 million, like, yeah, that's a steal. And then you can keep Dan Feeney if you want and play him at guard, or you can keep Forrest Lamp and play him at guard. Then you can draft a guard in the later rounds and provide some competition. And it's the same reason why, you know, Ray Sean Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker make a lot of sense at 13, Mm -hmm. just because the chargers really do need a talent upgrade at every spot. And you can just, you know, you take a talented player and then you figure it out later. And so. I think Feliciano would be a good place to start here. Um, I think on spot track, his value is three for 24, if I'm not mistaken.
2: It's 8 million. Mm -hmm.
3: So I think, you know, $8 million for a starting left guard, center, right guard. He played all three for the bills last year. And so I think that uh, would make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm in favor of the deal. I'm sure Tyler is too. Uh, It's more smart money. Uh, I guess he's a pretty easy plug and play replacement for Trey Turner. And I think he's at a stage in his career where he's just playing better.
3: Okay. So this is going to take us from, you know, again, you know, just kind of uh, front loading or backloading the, the uh, contract, excuse me. Um, you know, it will help the chargers make some space. So uh, let's talk about Lindsley next. You know, I I think Lindsley is most likely going to stay in Green Bay, but they have so many free agents that they've got to pay, right? Like, you know, if they're choosing between Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones, like how are they going to choose between that? Or, you know, um, I forget the tight end's name. Um, Tanyan. Tanyan, yeah, who had a career breakout season last year and should have been a Pro Bowler. You know, how are they going to make those kind of decisions? Do you choose a weapon for Aaron Rodgers because (laughs) – Lord knows he needs more weapons, or do you choose to keep the offensive line, which was, you know, until David Bakhtiari got hurt, it was the best line in the league um, in every single metric. So, you know, they're going to have some decisions to make. I would assume that Lindsley uh, stays, but if he's available, I think it's a no-brainer sign for the Chargers, and, you know, you get to pair him back with uh, Brian Balaga.
2: Yeah, I think his spot track value was about nine or 10 million, which is uh, obviously he's kind of a center. That's a little bit more affordable than Lindsley if you're playing kind of paying prime at that position. And this team is letting Pouncy walk or Pouncy retired, I should say. So then, um, you know, you can use basically Pouncy's nine million cap hit uh, plus a little bit extra to go get uh, Corey Lindsley or someone like that.
1: This is a no brainer for me. You allow, I mean, first of all, 10 million a year for, for an all pro guy. Give me that any, I, mean, I don't care what it is. Blank, honestly, blank check for me with Lindsay. As a half <laughs> yeah. sort of kind of Raiders fan, please don't log off. Um, <laughs> I've watched the Raiders take, you know, take Hudson, sign him in free agency. And that line has been good since that move four five, whatever years ago. It makes such a difference to have someone like Hudson over Feeney. And now you have Lindsay coming into the picture who also only allowed four pressures last season. And he's only worth 10 million. I mean, come on. I think, I mean, I think he'll be worth a little bit more than that but uh, i think this is a no brainer i'd i'd rather overpay for him than anybody else in this free agent class
2: thanks for making my uh, half eagles phantom look much better tyler <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey well no one has to worry about me i'm 100% chargers man so um, you know i think this makes it makes so much sense to get the center where it's supposed to be and dan Feeney, like you know he in theory he could be a serviceable center next year and I think he's a better center than a guard personally. I just think, he, you know, as a guard, his lack of functional strength is a bit more exposed. Um, but, you know, in this kind of instance where you're having him next to uh, Corey Lindsay, I think that helps tremendously. And, you know, you saw what kind of happened with him when he was next to Mike Pouncy. So uh, this makes a lot of sense to me. Sorry, I'm going to turn off my notifications. Should have done this beforehand. <laughs>
2: The only thing I, yeah, the other thing I would say is like people be like, oh, well, you're signing all these offensive linemen, um, you know, how how does that work under the cap? And and we can kind of get into it with the cap room we have left. But also, you know, next year in 2022, Brian Balaga, you know, instead of being 14 million in cap, he's 14 million in cap with three million dead cap, right? So then you can kind of game the system there and be like, well, we may save 11 million next year by cutting Balaga. So. Uh, you know, then that kind of opens the door to all these possibilities. And I'm sure Telesco has thought uh, close to that far in the future anyway. Yeah. And
3: I, I don't know how the dead cap works for, for Brian blogging next year, but you know, they could easily have him come off the books next year. Yeah. Um, it's about
2: th- it's about 3 million dead cap with 14 in, in salary. So that they say okay. 11 million.
3: Yeah. And in this instance too, like, you know, Limbaugh Joseph would be much cheaper next year. Chris Harris will be cheaper next year. Um, and uh, Mike Williams, we'll see. I I would imagine that Mike Williams is not $15 million next year. Um, yeah. But we'll have to see there. So, you know, signing Corey Lindsay, I think, is a no-brainer. I think if the Chargers wanted to go a cheaper route, you know, I would be in favor of signing a Larry Warford or a Denzel Good. Warford's not in this list. Um, I don't know why he's not on over the cap, but uh, Denzel Good is. And I think Denzel Good will probably cost you like 5 $4, 6000000 million maybe in that range. Um, So let's move on to the next one, which I think uh, is kind of the other big one. I think at this point, after signing Feliciano and Lindsay Lindsley, it might be a bit of a reach, but that is Leonard Floyd, uh, the pass rusher from the Rams, who's been with Staley for a while. So if you can see my notes right here, his spot track market value is four years, $52 million. So that's a bit of a reach, but what do you guys make about uh, signing Leonard Floyd at this point, with uh, Henry Davis,
2: Feliciano, and Lindsay already uh, on the roster? See, this is one of those things where Telesco smarter than us because we were just going, "Hey, we'll sign that guy," and now we're close <laughs> to out of money. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's uh, that's what happens, but. Um, I think Leonard Floyd would be a good signing. I mean, maybe Leonard Floyd, you know, means that, you know, in this scenario we could take Feliciano out and then put Leonard Floyd in uh, depending on, you know, kind of what you want to do. And then that, that kind of makes up the money. But I, I think Leonard Floyd may, makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he's going to get 13 million, but he's certainly going to be in that 10 to 13 million per range. Um, I think he's probably like my favorite potential like outside linebacker defensive end to type to get uh, if they really want uh, that edge to replace Melvin Ingram through free agency Uh, so yeah again this is not my money so I would do it (laughs) uh, I I just think um, because we've signed Lindsley and because we've signed Feliciano this move becomes uh, a little bit harder to make
1: and that's fine I'm gonna say no I think I keep drumming up the idea that for some reason the Chargers are not going to take an edge guy in the second round. I don't know why. I just feel like after I watch keep watching different edge guys. And granted, they are different. They're not just all outside linebackers, not just all, you know, three, four defensive ends, but I don't know. I just keep leaning towards the fact that like maybe they'll find a guy in the second round that they can take and that someone will get bumped to that second round that they could get. I also think the money's a little bit complicated, and I do prefer a different Rams free agent over Floyd right now because I think that would help with the transition of this defense. Uh, more than anything.
3: Yeah. So I, I agree with that. And um, you know, signing him right now to a $13 million cap hit, you know, that doesn't even leave the chargers with enough space to sign their draft class because they do have nine picks right. to draft and sign. Um so we'll have to see about that one. I, I can't imagine that in this instance that they would sign it. But then again, you know, like we said earlier Telesco so is a much smarter person and, and Ed McGuire knows how to work this this cap really well. So maybe they move Mm -hmm. on into a different direction. So uh, let's move on to that other Rams free agent, which is John Johnson. Um, Everyone knows like we're at least me and Tyler we're in favor of this. So Alex, I'll let you, let you uh, start this off. What do you make about signing John Johnson at this point?
2: Um, I think it makes sense. It it gives you a uh, upgrade over obviously, you know, Nasir Hatterley and Ray Sean Jenkins and you pair them with Derwin James. Uh, I I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think it's uh, possible that they go after John Johnson and make a pursuit of him. I just wonder where that leaves someone like Nasir Adderley who is, you know, still kind of developing. Um, So, you know, so I don't know if they'll totally go for that or if they want to go with Derwin and and Nasir next year at is also still kind of in the mix, depending on what they want to do with him. He's another free agent that we didn't uh, talk about. That's pending. Uh, I think John Johnson makes a lot of sense if they want to do it. um, It probably means, well, definitely means you're not bringing Rayshon back at, you know, a $5 million cap hit or something like that. Um, The only reason that I question it is because I still think they do have a lot of belief in Adderley uh, eventually developing. Uh, I don't think they've completely given up on him yet, Uh, but I, I would totally be in favor of going after John Johnson.
1: I just have a feeling that Staley, doesn't really care about Adderley like all that much. Like he, there's no reason for him to.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I uh, mean, yeah, I mean, maybe that's possible. I just think, you know, if you, you know, I mean, Benjamin Solak was kind of talking about this, but you could put Adderley deep and kind of use him better than the last coaching staff did. I still think there is a lot of raw athleticism and talent there that just, you know, needs to be conditioned better. I mean, he was the second round pick that, you know, a lot of us at the time were arguing should have gone at the end of the first round uh, when, when they picked uh, Jerry Tillery. Yeah. So I just think, you know, uh, I think Staley is still going to value Nasir Adderley. Um, obviously he he probably wants his guy, John Johnson over him. Uh, but I just wonder how that plays into things.
1: I mean, there's certainly a role for him. He's going to look in the same way that John Johnson played, you know, 408 box snaps, 230 slot corner snaps, 353 safety snaps, 32 defensive line snaps. Not that Adderley is going to play defensive line, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can move these guys around. And I think that's just what Staley is going to do. At the end of the day, Johnson for me is so cheap and helps his defense so much by being the guy who's probably going to call plays, which we already saw freed up Kenneth Murray in the jets game, I believe. And so, you know, you take a guy who's the fourth, I think the fourth best tackling efficiency among starting safeties, plug that in a guy you can move anywhere, reliable tackler and command your defense and just let the guys go play, let Murray go blitz, let James do his thing, Bosa, whatever. I just, and for five years, 8.3, I think is what it is at rack. I just don't think you can pass that up.
2: Yeah, the play calling thing is is an interesting part of it because, you know, do, you know, do they want Kenneth Murray to be the quarterback of the defense? They want Derwin James to be the quarterback of the defense. I think that's an interesting part of the John Johnson signing as well.
3: Yeah, it would be. And like I've said before, you know, this signing John Johnson gives you the, the best possible insurance policy in case derwin james does not is not able to ditch the injury but i think he's going to right um i think that you know he's too athletic and he's too freaky of an athlete to you know continue to be injured um but i just think you know making the signing for john johnson and just makes so much sense to me um and you know eight million dollars it's not i think that would put him at like the seventh or eighth highest paid safety so it's not like ridiculous but it is a good contract for him and i think he deserves it you know he's he's been a you know great player for the rams and i think he does deserve this kind of money so sorry again if you're listening to the audio and listening to me type away but we're just gonna get
2: yeah the interesting thing that's um that that's or interesting to me at least is you know what if this team didn't let uh adrian phillips walk last year uh, not saying Adrian Phillips is as good as John Johnson, but you know, if you had him, uh, there would certainly be less of a need to go out and I think uh, grab that, you know, pre- a safety at a premium price at least.
3: Yeah, so I I accidentally added an extra zero, and it would have been an 85 million <laughs> cap <hit> for
2: him. <laughs> now
3: we're talking NBA money. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. MLB money, man. Uh true. <laughs> um, so in this instance, the charges would have about 14, 15 million dollars left to sign you know, whoever else they wanted. And again, you know, we could take out a John Feliciano or Corey Lindsley and, and put in a Denzel Good, a Larry Warford or somebody else, and the Chargers would be able to have, you know, more money there. Um, so, guys, any other free agents? You know, I've got a couple ones, but any free agents that you want to specifically talk about here?
2: Um, None that immediately come to mind. Uh, I guess if you want to talk about, uh, I don't know, which – um. Are there any other edge free agents that are kind of interesting to you outside of the Floyds and the Watts?
1: I mean, sorry about that. <laughs> none that
2: are cheap. You right.
1: know, I mean, they're all kind of expensive, or I would just take one in the draft.
2: Yeah. The only one that uh, has piqued my interest, if they want to do, and again, this wouldn't even really factor into the salary cap because I think he would be so cheap, uh, is because they're switching back to 3 4 and doing outside linebacker. I think uh, Jerry Atachu would be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, if they wanted to get him back, uh, I think that would be kind of an interesting signing. Obviously, I think he worked with uh, Staley before in Denver. Uh, so I think that would be kind of an interesting signing.
1: No, that's yeah. a good call. I think
3: that's. But also,
2: uh, he makes really like stable. $2 million a year. So would <laughs> factor into Super the cap. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Super yeah. cheap. So I, I think the other big one to talk about in terms of defensive signings would be Leonard Williams. Uh, Leonard Williams yeah. would be a monster cap hit, five for 56. But in terms of a 3-4 defensive end, you know, he he played 4-3 defensive tackle um, previously with the Jets, I believe, and then switched to 3-4 defensive end with the Giants this past year. And he had a huge, huge season. And so the cap, it would be huge. But, you know, getting him back to L.A., he's a USC kid, and, and pairing him with Joey Bosa instead of a Leonard Floyd or, you know, potentially a Von Miller as an inside rusher, I think – On paper, at least it would make a lot of sense in terms of cap it. uh, That's a huge contract, man.
2: Right. Um, And I think it's important to point out, you know, even though we just said Leonard Williams is $11 million or so per year. And, you know, you, you might notice we only have $10 million left to work with. You know, it, the cap is kind of, uh, you know, as some people say, the cap isn't real, um, yeah. and there there are ways to work around it. You can go over the cap a little bit uh, and and figure it out, right, as you see, right? So we could give Leonard Williams 11 million this year, uh, and let's say we give him four years for, I don't know, 44 million, something like that. But that would, you know, kill our cap room this year. But then next year, you would see that, oh, we, already, we, would, we would have 50 or 55 million that would open up, right? Uh, even with, uh, that signing. So, you know, even though you take that, maybe you dive into the red this year, uh, slightly, I still think that's kind of a signing that would be worth it along with Leonard Floyd and some of the other guys that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah. If you're going to overpay, not overpay, he's, he had about 62 pressures last season, 13 sacks, 31 stops. It's not like it's overpaying you're gonna pay him whatever the hell he's due. Um, <laughs> yeah. but if I had to pick between Floyd and Williams, I'm, I'm taking Williams.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that would just be that would be like the biggest splash I think, and you know it'd be one that makes a lot of sense. It's gonna be interesting. The Giants do the Giants can't afford him, um, but you know fifty six million dollars is no joke. So the other thing that's really interesting to me, you know, I'm personally against this kind of um, decision making process, but signing a left tackle that's not named Sam Tevi is an interesting thing for this team because you know if you look at, at the spot track values. You have Alejandro Villanueva for three for 49. You know, he is 32, but he's only played for six years in the NFL because of his army service. So I'm not in favor of that, but it is interesting. Trent Williams, his his market value is three for 54. Again, he's older. I, I'm just in favor of drafting a young player, but you know, Cam Robinson is young. He's not like super good. He's probably almost on the same level of Sam Tevi, honestly, but his value is listed at four for 45. Taylor Moton he would be really interesting in terms of a free agent tackle signing he would be my choice but you know you look at that five year 73 million dollar cap it and that's a lot of dough so what do you guys make of potentially signing a left tackle for the Chargers this year
2: yeah I'm kind of in line with your thinking where uh, I don't think it's the best option and if you're going to do any of those guys my preference would just be maybe re-sign Sam Tevy to a kind of manageable deal and draft, you know, your left tackle, uh, in round one, hopefully. Uh, so that would be where I want to go. Uh, I think Villanueva becomes interesting as I mentioned a couple of times with the podcast, because, you know, Surat is now with the Chargers uh, yeah. who's been as offensive line coach for a while. So I think that's a move that the Chargers will look at. Uh, I, th- want to say it was PFF did a top 50 free agents list a while ago, and one of the connections that they did have uh, were Villanueva and Lindsley to the Chargers, maybe instead of, uh, you know, a another guard like Feliciano or Dooney, So I think that would be uh, an interesting signing. I do think he's a little older, so I would kind of prefer to go through the draft, but I would certainly understand if the Chargers did it.
1: I would understand if they did it, and I think there's a chance that some. Well, it depends on what they think of Sam Tava. That there is some sort of backup tackle or swing tackle that signed this offseason. But yeah, in terms of looking at a starter, not only does it work out for them where they pick, and then based on let's say they do something similar to what we're doing in free agency here, it's pretty clear at least set up for them to take a tackle within the first two rounds. Certainly in in the first round, I think we all think is the most realistic. Um. I just, I'm kind of sick of watching band aids go on this roster, this left tackle spot. And granted, you know, Telesco has drafted tackles before or guards and whatnot. It hasn't worked out. I'm not against, you know, I think fans bring up that, you know, we shouldn't draft a lineman because Telesco doesn't draft (laughs) linemen well. Like, okay, Telesco also drafted uh, two quarterbacks and then drafted Justin Herbert. Now, granted, they weren't first round high priority guys, but like, I'm not just going to not draft someone because they draft this thing well. Um, if they're a good prospect, you draft them. So, um, for me, I'm just not really into any of these guys coming in as a starting left tackle. Um, some of these depth guys, swing tackles, fine, uh, but starters, no. You're gonna. I am all in at 13. At worst, second round, but I'm all in on one of those draft picks for sure.
2: I mean, yeah, and the thing we talk about with uh, tackles or taking guards in the draft and stuff is I think the Chargers haven't been doing that enough. And I know we we all kind of think that, but that's sort of compounded their issues last year, right? If you have Balaga and uh, Turner and they don't work out for a year uh, or they have injuries, right? They didn't really have a a good backup plan. You know, maybe if you took a tackle in the second round or you took a guard in the third round, it would certainly uh, ease the pain a little bit. And, you know, hopefully it wouldn't have been a Trey Pipkins kind of type project but I think they compounded their issues by not using any of the capital in the draft that uh, last year.
3: Yeah. And, you know, really like this is another instance in which versatility comes into play because like, I understand why they wanted to give the full 16 games to Dan Feeney and let him be able to, you know, have that full evaluation at center, but it really should have been as easy as putting Dan Feeney at right guard and putting Scott Questenberry at center. But yeah, they refused to do that because they didn't feel like they had the versatility and the depth to do that. And that's just, you know, that's why signing a guy like John Feliciano and drafting someone like Ray John Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, Landon Dickerson, who can play all three spots on the interior and probably play tackle too, uh, if they needed him too. So I just think versatility Uh, needs to be the theme for the offensive line up front and then they can figure out the positions later but you know I would understand it you know I'm not going to be mad if they sign Alejandro Villanueva I think he's been a really good player in the NFL Uh, just like Tyler I'm I'm sick of the band-aids man I just want them to be able to get their long-term future left tackle which they haven't had since Marcus McNeil which is just a tragedy and so you know, if I were running an NFL team, I'm drafting an offensive lineman every single year within the first three rounds, and I don't really care yeah. about positions. Like, you know, it's just such a valuable position group. You got to be able to have that quality depth. And the way that Tom Telesco has, I don't want to say neglected because he he has made attempts. You know, it's not really his fault. Sure. That Trey Turner couldn't stay healthy and that they went through six guards in one season. But, you know, just the way that he hasn't drafted enough. Is is my biggest you know critique of Tom Telesco,
1: and he also needs to save his ass this season. He could be completely <laughs> yeah, gone at the end of this year. Um, I actually think this is the best opportunity for him to draft and then develop. Not that he's developing a an offensive tackle or any offensive lineman, because I do think this staff seems to be the most competent and most I assume analytics you know uh, sports science driven to build this offensive line. So I do think he can look good. And say, hey, well, you know the offensive line didn't work out before. We have this new staff and now the offensive line is working out, which means I always maybe already had these good guys. It's just the staff that I had underneath me. These coaches weren't really developing them. So if they develop now, I think he can save his ass. The other reason to take a, a tackle is because I think Tristan worse is making $16 million over the next four years. And I think you would take that, um, at 13 bargain. It's, yeah, it's no, I bargain, mean, huge, ridiculous bargain. I'm sure they'll extend him after like two more years. I don't think they have to wait till the fourth year. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, taking a guy like that over our, our free agency right here is expensive. Like who we drafted or not drafted, who we signed a little expensive. And if you want like a Johnson or a Floyd and a Lindsay and a Feliciano, you got to make, you know, some sort of cut, I guess. So you can't just, I just, I don't want to go out and sign some George Fant deal for like two years, 20 million. Like I just, just yeah. get your tackle, pay him four or $5 million a year for the next four years and and develop with Herbert.
2: Agreed. Uh, You know, if if we were running the team, you know, I think we should go out and sign. uh, Let's go out and sign Leonard Floyd and go, you know, negative 20 million in cap or whatever. But (laughs) um, no, I think that we've kind of laid it out. I mean, there's certainly some tough decisions that will need to be made in free agency tough decisions in the draft, but I, I tend to agree. I favor going interior line uh, and free agency, if that's what we're going to do with Corey Linsley or, or yep. Thune, Feliciano, any of those kind of guys we've been talking about. Uh, and then for the tackle spots, I think you go through the draft uh, and and get a guy, hopefully with the first round pick. Uh, and, you know, like Tristan Wirfs, you know, you play on that deal uh, and then later on you extend them. And uh, eventually when you do extend them, uh, it's doable uh, because you, uh, well, Justin Herbert might not be expensive, by then. <laughs> might not be cheap by then, but um, you know, I, I think you you'll have definitely at least four or five years of a pretty cheap uh, first round tackle. Yeah,
3: absolutely, and that's just, it. Just makes too much sense, man. It, it really does. And I, I understand, like, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole yourselves, which I've already said, but it's just such a need. And at thirteen, you know, if Rayshon Slater there is there, like we did in our mock draft, that's a no brainer, and you can figure out the position later. I think he's a left tackle, but. Um, same with Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, Samuel will I know a lot of people are, are kind of souring on him, but I think he's an option there. And I think Christian Darasaw is an option there, even though I'm not super high on him. Um, but you know, I think they have the options to take a left tackle and like, unless Patrick Sertan is there, like, you know, Kyle Pitts, isn't going to be there. I know everybody was kind of asking me about him this weekend. It just, it makes too much sense to take an offensive lineman this year and it's, in <laughs>
1: Tom Telesco, he's got to save his ass, like Tyler said, man. I will say that. Okay, even if they don't tackle, take a tackle at thirteen, we at least addressed two starting spots on the yeah. offensive line. Like, if you want to take a guy in the second round and say you've upgraded three spots this off season, I think that's great. If they can do two, I'm happy with that. So they can go two free agents, one draft pick on a high, you know, high pick. Um, that's good enough for me. So they they can. Because we cut Hayward and we only have Davis, they can take their corner now at 13, and I would feel okay with that. If they fill two holes along the offensive line in free agency, that's when I would start being okay with even taking, yes, I know, Waddle at 13
2: whoa tyler <laughs> i know wow wow Sounds you insane. really you really you really changed <laughs> this is character development they well could. i will say too
3: like in this instance right like they would have enough money to sign sam Tevy back like you know they could have sam Tevy starting Jesus. another year waiting into- <laughs> <laughs> i know everybody kind of hates it man but sam Tevy was the best lineman on the team last year dude so like i'm not okay, saying he's a long-term starter the- i not being a long-term <laughs> I, starter I here.
1: there like this and, <laughs> no. and the best offense alignment on the team last season.
3: Oh, man. I'm not saying long-term starter, okay? I'm saying you... No, you're you right. Just, you bring Sam Tevye back. Yes. You draft a tackle, in this case, in the second round. You know, I don't think Dylan redden is going to be there, but that would be a dream. Um, yeah. You know, you could take a chance on Walker Little, uh, James Hudson. You know, Liam Eikenberg is going to be there. I'm not really into Alex Leatherwood on this team um so i think you know in this kind of instance you bring back tevi and if the rookie is not ready to start you start tevi if he if the rookie is ready to start then tevi the backup and he's you know a valuable swing tackle which this team has not had you know similar to the marcus mcneil thing they haven't had a valuable t- backup tackle in a very long time uh and i think sam tevi as the this primary swing tackle is not the worst thing in the
2: world yes. yeah as the
1: primary swing tackle and backup
2: that's great. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, one of the reasons I think, you know, someone like Popper said re-signing, you know, Feeney, Lamp, and, and, and maybe Tevi is a little bit more likelier than we think because if you can get them at that cheap price, uh, maybe less than $5 million per year, and then you can kind of start them in a backup role or a starting role, uh, I think that's kind of where uh, people, you know, like them as opposed to them just being a full-time starter where they'll be more expensive. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no doubt. So some other potential free agent targets, I think, you know, I tweeted this out, but Von Miller, if he's not or if he is not kept in Denver on his option, Botrack only has his market value at three years, $30 million. So for me, I know there's the legal issues, but three for 30 for Von Miller, sign me up.
1: No, I agree. And if everything, che- if the Chargers signed him, even if we didn't get official confirmation of what happened in that case and what's going on with that, if the Chargers signed him, I would, it's not like the Cowboys and the Chiefs. If the Chargers signed him, I believe they've done their due diligence and they know that yes. everything checks out yes. for sure. Von Miller, I know it's, it's been a year, but in 2019, he had 77 pressures. Oh, man. Please like, put that on this team. That sounds so great. If it checks out and for $10 million a year.
2: Yeah, I I think Von Miller might be kind of the one that's lurking in the distance. That would just make uh, a whole lot of sense to me over a J.J. Watt, uh, over a Leonard Floyd. Uh, He's the guy that, you know, um, obviously Chris Harris is already here. Uh, You know, Brandon Staley uh, obviously was his coach uh that would make kind of a lot of sense if you were to come here and also ronaldo hill um that's you know his uh one of the guys who was in denver for a while so you can bring him in as he's already as defense coordinator so von miller would make a lot of sense and i think in terms of value you know if people are kind of scared about that injury he suffered last year that definitely works to the chargers favor yep
3: yeah and you know the thing about adding von miller too is that like, who do you decide to double team? Like, are you going to double team <laughs> Von Miller or are you going to double team Joey Bosa? Like, man, that would just be some insane kind of versatility and potential for the Chargers to exploit there. You can put Joey Bosa rushing against a guard and Von Miller rushing on the outside on the same side, man. Like, <sighs> oh, man, the, the possibilities there are yeah. just outrageous.
1: And the way that the Broncos had it set up where they had Von Miller as a younger guy and then DeMarcus Ware as that older veteran, yeah. and they were, that defense was so good. And I could see the exact same thing happening with like a younger Bosa and then Miller.
3: Yeah. So the last, the last group that I want to talk about here just briefly is the cornerback room because it it is possible that Michael Davis is not back on this team. And in mm-hmm. the scenario, scenario that we laid out that maybe Casey Hayward is cut and they're replacing both of those, uh, both, you know, Outside corners, which would not be ideal, but it is possible. So maybe you know uh Alex had uh, you know a big—I don't want to say attraction, but you know you were kind of into the idea yeah. of of the Chargers, you know, bringing in Jack Del Rio as their head coach. Jack Del Rio did a, amazing work with Ronald Darby. You know his spot track evaluation is only four for thirty-six. If you're losing both Hayward and and Davis, I think Ronald Darby is not you know, the worst signing in the world.
2: Yeah. um, Unless he's in the Eagles jersey in which he gets completely burned by Amari Cooper (laughs) down the field every time. Um, I think Rollins Darby would be a solid signing. I mean, he's only going to cost, you know, four or $5 million. Uh, He's he's not that expensive. Uh, I do think there is some, um, you know, risk of him getting burned downfield, but he's younger uh, than uh, sort of a lot of the other corners on the market. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he, he makes a lot of sense. And he had kind of a rebound year, I think, in Washington. So, you know, if you can kind of get him in that Brandon Staley system where obviously, you know, someone like Ronaldo Hill values those secondary players a lot, uh, I think Ronald Darby could do pretty well. Yeah, good
1: call. I'll have to watch him. Sure. If, if Davis and May were to gone, you yeah. have to find somebody in free agency. Yeah. I don't care who it is. And then the other one really that's in a very similar tier to Michael Davis
3: is William Jackson. Spotchock has his... Uh, the former Cincinnati corner spot has his value similar uh, deal three for 28. Um, and then the biggest name on the cornerback market in terms of young guys is Shaq Griffin. Spot track has his value at four for 44. Um, and then some people have mentioned Patrick Peterson. I don't think that's really all that likely, but his value is estimated at three for 30, which, you know, very similar to Von Miller, could be kind of a cheap veteran signing, if you will um but I, I like we said i think michael davis is is definitely going to be back on this team
2: yep yeah, yeah i think michael davis is the most likely and then you know if they do cut casey hayward i think there's a lot of free agent options like darby that could be interesting if they really want to make a big play at patrick peterson for a year or two um i wouldn't hate that because i think he fits the staley system a little bit better but uh he, he is a little older and is kind of clearly on the decline
3: all right, guys. Any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
2: Uh, not many. Uh, I we we have to get some news, so we have to stop creating this content for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us give us a little bit of something, Adam Schefter. Well, we'll see, man. They got the franchise
3: tag it is able to be placed upon players starting on Tuesday. So we could be having a conversation about Hunter Henry. Again, I think he's the only option in terms of franchise tag, but uh, Tyler, any other thoughts before, before we wrap up today?
1: No, usually I do, but I have no thoughts right now. I'm just hungry. <laughs> it's three o'clock, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm 25 i'm fucking hungry all the time okay
3: i feel that man i feel that uh all right guys thanks for tuning in hopefully you're able to uh you know kind of have some thoughts about some of these free agents i think the chargers are in a good spot with the cap even if they don't cut trey turner and casey hayward but you know like we laid out it's just it's a no-brainer to cut those guys and be able to sign kind of really whoever you want yep. um So thanks for tuning in. We'll keep you guys posted. Obviously, if there is a franchise tag placed on Hunter Henry, we will have a great discussion about that. I can't wait to see if that happens. Other than that, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. See ya.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.